Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin.
My goodness, beautiful. I'd like to hear that again tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be really nice. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> hey. Well, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew as we continue in our study in Matthew. And, you know, we're going to be here in these uh, two chapters, chapter 24 and chapter 25, for, for quite some time. And uh, I, I can't overemphasize enough the importance of you sharing this information, the information in, in these two chapters, with your children, your grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Because uh, there are things that are coming upon this earth that they really need to be aware of, and that we all need to be uh, aware of as we study these uh, future events that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, reveals to his disciples and to us because there you know history history is his story it is the story of the lord god has a plan and god will bring his plan to completion but god is a loving father who doesn't just leave us out there to fend for ourselves so to speak He's provided for us His Holy Word. He's provided for us His message and His, his explanation for His plan so that His children are not caught off guard or unaware. To be sure, the unbeliever will be caught off guard as the Bible teaches, for the Lord will come as a thief in the night. But the Scripture also says, but we are children of the light, and therefore that day should not take us unaware. Now that doesn't mean that we know the day. No, the Bible teaches that only God knows the day, the hour, when the Lord will return. But the Bible also teaches that God's children, as they see these things, and what are these things? The very things that the disciples asked Jesus to reveal to them, which he did. That as we see these things, that we're to look up because our redemption draws nigh or near. And so we're in the 24th chapter in the Gospel of Matthew. And beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his, his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. 
and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look here, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Let's pray. Our Father in God, we come to you again in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we pray, O Lord, that you be our teacher through God the Holy Spirit. Illuminate our understanding. And, O Lord, enable us to realize and to recognize the urgency of the hour in which we live, the urgency of the message. Father, we pray, give us spiritual eyes that we might see and behold and understand what is going on in this world in which we live. Enable us, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit to understand your word. Father, speak to us, we ask, to the glory of your Holy Son, to the benefit of your people, that we might be used as instruments of your love to touch the lives of others with the hope that they'll come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We pray in his holy name. Amen. And so last week we looked at the first portion of this and we we entitled that uh, part one, and uh, the disciples, and aren't you glad that they asked the Lord these questions, because we have many questions about the end. We'd like to know um, what's in store, what's coming. And Jesus began to explain to them that the temple is going to be destroyed. And we mentioned that the temple there in Jerusalem was a magnificent complex of many buildings. It was beautiful to behold. It said that when the sun would shine and strike the
the temple that it would just illuminate the surrounding area because it was made of these beautiful white marble stones, some weighing as much as 400 tons. And then it was overlaid with gold, with gold. And yet Jesus said that not one stone would be left upon another. Do you know that within about 40 years that came true in 70 AD, we mentioned this before, that the Romans came through and destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. They destroyed the temple by burning it to melt the gold. They wanted the gold. And the stones, these mighty stones, were all thrown down. And then, secondly, we mentioned that the disciples asked three questions, really. Some say, well, it was two questions. No, it was really three. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And wouldn't you like to know when that's going to be? Yes and no. What would you do if you actually knew? How would you act on the day before the end? Hmm. Jesus responds to the question. First of all, take heed that no one deceives you. Do you know that people have been deceiving people since the beginning of time? Because it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Who is the deceiver? Who is the liar? Who is the murderer from the beginning? Satan, that is correct. Satan, the devil. There in the garden, he deceived Eve into believing that she would not die if she ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil from which God forbid them to eat. He said that in the day that they ate thereof, they would surely die. But you see, there are two kinds of death. There's physical death, and there is spiritual death. That spiritual death is a spiritual separation from God. And so we have to be born again. That is, born spiritually. Now, when you go out into the world, you meet all kinds of people. But right here in the state of Nevada, it is estimated that only one out of every 12 to 14 people actually knows the Lord as their Savior. Consider those statistics. One out of every 12 to 14 people. Only one. Only one. So when you go into the supermarket... And you see all those people? Stop for a moment and begin to count. One for every 12 to 14 people who actually knows the Lord as their Savior. Jesus says, take heed that no one deceives you. Throughout the centuries, there have been those who have said that they knew when the Lord was coming back. Yet over in the book of Acts, in the first chapter, before Jesus ascended, the disciples, the apostles, they're asking him, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And what was his response to them? It is not for you to know the times or the seasons 
which the Father hath put into his own power. But you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world and the earth. Or in other words, we are to be about the Father's business. And what is the Father's business? The Father's business is reaching the lost with the gospel of salvation, the message of love. And then we mentioned last week that this is referred to as the Olivet Discourse. And then just to expand on that, take heed that no one deceives you. To, to take heed means to watch, to learn, to study, to pay attention to what you're hearing, and to what you accept as truth. You know, there are lots of people who have the gift of gab, as you would say. All you have to do is go down to the used car lot and listen to the used car salesman, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, there are a lot of people who want you to believe that they know just exactly when Jesus is coming back. Yet the Bible teaches, and Jesus even said, that only the Father knows the particular moment in time when that will occur. But these guys want you to believe that they know. Well, thirdly, Jesus reveals several signs for us to recognize. Now, in the biblical expositor, the, the author writes, the period between Christ's ascension and return will be characterized by these signs that Jesus has revealed. False saviors. And we mentioned David Koresh and the Branch Davidians down in Waco, Texas. And what about that other guy named uh, Jones? Jim Jones. That's where we get that phrase from. You know? He must have drank the Kool-Aid. Now look, if anyone tells you that you ought to mortgage or sell your home and bring all of the proceeds and put it in the offering plate, you need to walk away from that person. Walk away and pray for them, but walk away. Because that's not necessarily what the Lord has called you to do unless He has placed that upon your heart, like the rich young ruler. Now, I know that some preachers will stand up and they'll preach, you know, about the rich young ruler, etc., etc., and, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, don't follow his example. Yes, we shouldn't follow his example. But that doesn't mean that you should go out and mortgage your house or sell your home and bring all the proceeds. No. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches that the wise person leaves an inheritance to their children's children, their grandchildren. You follow? And how are you going to do that if you give it all away? The Bible goes on to say that families are to provide for their families. That parents are to provide for their children, etc., etc., etc. That's what the Bible teaches. And then we mentioned this one on Wednesday. The Bible also teaches that the person who doesn't work shouldn't eat. That's not a real popular one in America. <laughs> Yes, 
It's a great verse. Everybody said, well, I've never read that one. Well, it's in there. It is in there. But false saviors and deceivers who talk about and, and want you to believe that Jesus is going to come on this particular day. You remember when we were about to reach the year 2000? You recall that? Supposedly all the computers were going to stop working. Right? Everything was just going to stop. <laughs> and here we are. And do you know that there, there have been people who have predicted the Lord's return in specific years, and then when it doesn't happen, then they say, oh, well, that's because we made a, a mistake in our calculations. <laughs> you can calculate till the cows come home. You don't know, and you're never going to know until it actually happens. And then he talked about wars and rumors of wars. Now, I don't think any of us were around during World War I. But there was a saying. It was the war. Say it. To end all wars. Right. The war to end all wars. The people of, of that generation actually thought that the world was going to end. But it didn't. And within just a few short decades, World War II. Millions upon millions of and they actually thought that Hitler was the Antichrist. Now, he is a type of Antichrist. He is a foreshadow, if you will, of, of the Antichrist that is to come. But there have been wars and there have been rumors of wars since the beginning of time. And then he went on to say, nation will rise against nation and then famines and and pestilences. And even in this day in which we live, we have such an abundance of resources, yet thousands upon thousands of people die every day from starvation. And it's not because food isn't available. You know, one of the saddest things is that the United States of America has provided resources to the rest of the world but sadly, oftentimes, those, those resources, those foodstuffs, are left upon the harbor, there at the piers and the ships, to rot because the governments of those countries won't distribute them to the common people who need them. Sadly. And sickness, pestilence, as we mentioned, the COVID-19, but that wasn't the first time that, that we had a worldwide pandemic. And earthquakes. But notice what Jesus says here. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And in the Greek, it actually refers to birth pains. And we mentioned that last week. That as, the, as a, a woman is, who is pregnant is getting ready to deliver, the contractions begin to increase both in intensity and close proximity until it's time to deliver. And Jesus speaks here when he answers the disciples' questions. He speaks of some specific periods and events. 
In the not too distant future, the temple is going to be destroyed, and that happened. In AD 70. Then he speaks to the general period of difficulty and, and persecution that is going to occur from that period of time, from the first century, all the way until we get to this specific period, which is referred to in the scripture as the Great Tribulation. The Bible refers to that as a seven-year period. And as we just read here, of immense, immense tribulation and upheaval, such as never was from the beginning of time, nor ever shall be again. They thought World War I, as we said, was the war to end all wars. No, they were mistaken. They thought the world would end in World War II. They were mistaken there. And all of these other wars, these are all foreshadows and preludes of what is coming during that period of time called the Tribulation. And we need to warn one another, and we need to warn our children, and we need to warn our grandchildren. We know that we are closer than ever before to the coming of the Lord. And tomorrow will be even closer if the Lord doesn't come today. But Jesus says these are all the beginnings of sorrow, of sorrows. The tribulation is also referred to by Daniel as the 70th week. Jeremiah refers to it as Jacob's trouble. As we move on to the fourth point, what does rejection of Christ look like? Because that's what Jesus is teaching the disciples. You see, through the ages, and even in the first century, and then on into the second and the third century, there was intense persecution of both the Christian and the Jew. And notice here, A, Christians and Jews will be hated and killed. We, we remember the Holocaust. And we read uh, back on um, Memorial Day how that over in England they're discussing taking the Holocaust out of their history books. And there are some who want to do that here. And why? Because they say it's offensive to the Muslims. Well, the truth is, is that the Holocaust occurred. The Holocaust occurred. Why? Because the devil and those who do not know the Lord spread hatred toward the Jews. Why? Because... They are the Lord's people. Make no mistake about it. The Bible teaches that we as Christians are to love the Jewish people. And the Jewish people are to love us. And together we are to love the Lord. And the day is coming. The day is coming which we refer to as the rapture or the removal of the church from this earth. And then the focus returns back to Israel. And you read in the book of Romans, the Bible says that right now Israel is in a, a state of spiritual blindness. And why? 
so that the Gentiles can come to know the Lord, so that the fulfillment, or rather, so that the promise that God made to Abraham can be fulfilled. And what is that promise? God made a covenant with Abraham that all the nations of the world would be blessed through him, through his seed. And who is that seed? The Lord Jesus Christ. Our Savior is a Jewish man. And yet, that Jewish man is God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christians and Jews will be hated and will be killed. And we know that anti-Semitism is on the rise. Do you know that there are people in our Congress, congressional leaders, who who push a boycott of Israel and a boycott of, of Israeli-owned businesses solely because those businesses are owned by Jewish people and Jewish families. But that's okay for them. And then there are those who say that Christians are guilty of being white supremacists. And that anyone who happens to not be an Anglo who stands for the Christian ideals basically has just been brainwashed. Kind of nonsense and wicked evil. We mentioned in Sunday school just this past week over in Washington D.C. at the White House they celebrate, you know, Pride Month. And so the president gets up there and he says to these LGBTQ people, you are the, the most courageous and the, the bravest people that I've ever met. And they give them a whole month to celebrate their wickedness and blasphemy, because that's what it is. To take the rainbow, what is the rainbow? You read in the book of Genesis, God set his bow in the sky as a promise to the human race. And he spoke to Noah. He said, I put my bow in the sky, the firmament of heaven, as a promise that I will never again destroy the human race by flood. It is a symbol of God's faithfulness. And they've taken it and use it in a blasphemous way. That's what they have done, and that is what they do every time they wave that flag because they're, they're proud of their wickedness. Now, I could tell you what they are, but it would be rather vulgar. I'll just put it this way. They're a group of sodomites, and every other immoral activity that at one time in our country was a crime. That type of lifestyle was considered abnormal because it is abnormal. And because it is criminal. And it is wicked. But false teachers and false deceivers among the leaders deceiving people into believing that it's okay. 
It is not okay. It has never been okay and will never be okay with God. But we who are Christians and our Jewish brothers and sisters are going to be hated. And notice what he says, and killed. That's the future. That day is coming. And our children need to know this. They need to know. Notice it says people will be offended. Well, people are offended every day if you stand up for God's righteousness. And what do they call you? What do they call us? If you say, no, that lifestyle is, is simple. It's wrong. It's wrong to steal. And we've mentioned that somehow there in, in the Congress, they've forgotten that. That it's wrong to steal. And it's wrong to dishonor your father and your mother. You notice that? Your father and your mother. Not your father and father or mother and mother. People will be offended. Betrayal, hatred will become commonplace. That's what's coming upon the earth. We've already seen that. People will betray what they've been taught by their parents. What they were taught in Sunday school. False teachers will increase and deceive many. The abuse of grace. There is this, it's a theological term, referred to as antinomianism. Antinomianism. Meaning that if you're saved, well, you can just live any way you choose. Because, you see, you're saved by God's grace. And so because you're saved by God's grace, it doesn't matter how you live. You want to be a drunkard? Well, be a drunkard. You want to be a, a cigar-smoking gambler? Well, just go be a cigar-smoking gambler. You want to be visiting the, you know, the houses of ill repute, and you want to do this, you want to, it doesn't matter because, you see, you're saved by God's grace. That's a lie straight out of hell. And then it goes on, increased lawlessness. Now this is Jesus teaching the disciples and teaching us of what to expect. Increased lawlessness. Have you seen any of that lately? Every day is right. And not just here, but around the world. Have you heard of the protests going on in France? How they are so upset with their government. And what about right here in America? And notice what it says, will result in cold hearts and lives. The love of many will grow cold. Over in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, the Lord Jesus, he speaks to the church of Ephesus, and he says, you've, loved, you've left your first love. You see, it's, it's a challenge. It really is a challenge to be a Christian and to live by God's standard in today's world. And to love God.
to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, your mind, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But increased lawlessness, all this talk about you owe me, right? That seems to have become the, you know, the American mantra, you owe me. The government owes me. You owe me this and you owe me that. And I'm going to do whatever I can to, to get it. And so you have these marauding groups of, of teenagers, 40, 50, 100, a couple hundred, that go into a mall and break into the stores and, and break the glass and, and break the counters. And then what do you have? Then you have DAs and, and other elected officials saying, well, it's just making things even. That's a lie right out of hell itself. And then, the most amazing thing, not in a good way, is in the next day that person will talk about being a Christian. Or being part of this particular church or that particular church. And then you've got people, political leaders, who then go to churches and speak or preach on a Sunday morning, deceiving the congregation. Notice, he goes on to say, genuine believers will endure to the end and be saved. And scholars go back and forth, you know, well, is he talking about being physically delivered? Or is he talking about salvation? And more than likely, he's talking about both. But remember, we're not saved by works. The fact is, is that God is able to enable his children to preserve unto the end. Whether that's here in this life, as we face persecution, or perhaps thrown in a jail cell for preaching, Whatever the case might be, God is able to deliver his children. And then it goes on and it says, And the gospel will be preached in all the world as a witness. Then the end will come. Now, this verse has been mistakenly interpreted and, and applied by, by churches and even by missionaries. And there are those who, who believe that they can hasten the coming of the Lord. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. We can't hasten. God already knows when, he, when the Lord's coming. But we bear a responsibility, as we quoted from Acts, to take the gospel to the, to the ends of the earth. And in this day and age in which we live with the technology that we have, it is amazing how far we can reach. But... During the tribulation period, once the church is, is taken out, and that tribulation period is here upon the earth. Now, there are some who believe that the church may go through the tribulation. But I'm a pre-tribulist. But that doesn't make me right. Only God is right. You follow? It's very important. But what we do know, because we read this in the book of Revelation, that during the tribulation period, 
they're going to be these two very special witnesses. Now only God knows exactly who those witnesses are. We're, we're pretty sure that we believe that one of them is Elijah. Both Christians and Jews believe that Elijah will come before the Lord returns. And another reason is Elijah never died. He was taken up by the Lord right up into heaven. And then some believe that Moses is the other one who will come because they represent the law and the prophets. Um, Elijah represents the prophets and Moses represents the law. But they're going to preach for some three and a half years. And, and they're going to have all of this tremendous power like that we've read in the, in the Old Testament. How they call down fire from heaven, those kinds of things. That's going to happen during the tribulation period. And they're going to be able to do that. But then this beast, this one who gets his power from Satan after the three and a half years at a specific point during the tribulation period is going to slay them. And their bodies are going to lay there before the temple. You hear that? Before the temple. He said, wait a minute. I thought you said the temple was destroyed. Yes. What was referred to as Herod's temple has been destroyed, but the Bible teaches there's going to be another temple. The day is coming when the Jewish people are going to build another temple. They're going to be slain in front. And their bodies are going to lay there for some three days, but then, miraculously, they're going to be brought back to life and taken up into heaven. But you see, during their, their ministry, the nation of Israel is going to turn to the Lord Jesus as Savior, as Messiah. And the book of Revelation tells us that 144,000 Jewish young men, and some of them may be a little older, but it says that these are virgin men, never have having been with a woman, are going to accept the Lord as their Savior, and they are going to proclaim the gospel. Now imagine 144,000 Apostle Pauls. The Apostle Paul was a Jewish theologian, scholar, genius, and he, the Lord used to write half of the New Testament. Now imagine 144,000 of these guys, and they're preaching the gospel. But if that isn't enough, because of God's mercy, and because of his desire for the entire human race to be saved, during that tribulation period, guess what? The book of Revelation tells us in chapter 14 that God is going to send an angel who proclaims the everlasting gospel to the ends of the earth. To every nation, to every tribe, to every tongue, every people, everyone will hear the gospel being preached by an angel who is sent from God because the end is near. Jesus says here, 
The gospel will be preached to the ends of the, of the earth, and then the end will come. You see how merciful God is? He's using the church currently to share the message of the gospel. But the day is coming when he's going to have these two witnesses come. And then 144,000, if you will, Apostle Paul's preaching. And then, ultimately, an angel from heaven will proclaim the gospel to the entire world. And then the end will come. That is the end of that period of time referred to as Jacob's trouble. And why do we refer to it as Jacob's trouble? You'll have to come back next week. <laughs> Notice the coming tribulation and the removal of the church, and we'll look at that next week, but let me sum up the message here. Number five. What do we learn from these passages? Jesus foretold the destruction of the temple, and in A.D. 70, that happened. The destruction of the temple and the end of the age are separate events. It's a foreshadow of what's coming in the future. The abomination of desolation. You want to learn about that? You have to come back next. Betrayal, deception, hatred, lawlessness, violence, and war will continue to increase. Christian commitment will grow cold. And tribulation in this life is inevitable. We all face it. We all experience it. But it, it is going to increase. The gospel will continue to be preached. And eventually the end of the age will come. So maybe you're here today and you say, boy, I've never heard that information that you've shared. Well, God wants you to know that he loves you. God wants you to know that you can have life and forgiveness for everything and anything. You say, well, you don't know what I've done in my life. Well, you don't know what I've done in my life. But by the grace of God, I'm not what I once was. And by the grace of God, I'm not what I one day will be. God is still working on me. And he loves us. Amen? So we're going to sing this hymn of invitation. Let's stand, please. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Accept him as your savior. Walk down that aisle and give your heart and your life to him. Or maybe you, you know the Lord is your savior, but you've never been baptized. Come down and make a commitment to be baptized or to join the fellowship of this church. Come as we sing. Let's pray, please, as Miss Ginger, as you, as you continue playing, we're going to pray. Father in heaven, pray for those who are here who need to make a decision. We all need to make a decision. But Lord, for those who are struggling to make that right decision, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will empower them and give them the courage to step out for you. Speak to our hearts. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.